calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Every five minutes, someone dies while waiting for a compatible donor heart, liver, or kidney. On a remote island in Lake Superior, a team of geneticists strive to engineer an animal with human-compatible organs, thereby saving millions of lives. But these ancestors are not the docile herd animals they envision. Instead, the project spawns something big, something evil, something hungry. Ancestor by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler is available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends, you wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole. Hey everybody, it's Noah Daniels and we're here for another episode of the Real Hauntings podcast. This episode, we've got a really special guest. You can check her out on TikTok at Oh It's A Lamp. That's O-H-I-T-S-A-L-A-M-P. It's Liz. She has a lot of great supernatural experiences. She's going to talk about great being relatively, I don't know if they were great to experience, but I think it'll be great to hear about and just a lot of stuff to talk about. Liz, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So you are someone who grew up in a haunted home. We love to ask before we jump into all the spooky stuff, where you fall on what we call the believometer, zero meaning ghosts aren't real, they don't exist, and 10, they're absolutely real. Where do you fall on that scale? Oh, I'm like an 11. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> 100% like they're real. Well, before we jump into your spooky stories, which are pretty captivating. You also have a story about something that your mom experienced and dare I say survived because it could have definitely gone the other way. For our listeners who are into true crime and have heard of the toy box killer, this involves him. So Liz, can you tell us the story? So my mom told me the story years ago, but she left out like certain details <laughs> because she always has like crazy little stories from her youth. Um, and so then recently this past year, um, or like year and a half ago, she finally told me the full thing. And what had happened was, uh, she, when she was pregnant, she was about 24, 25, uh, with my oldest sibling, um, in the seventies, eighties. And she was driving from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Las Cruces, New Mexico to visit her family. And so on the drive there, it's a three hour drive, like straight shot through the desert. There's nothing around, um, her car breaks down on the side of the highway. And she's there, you know, just looking at her car, wondering what to do because she didn't have a cell phone. She didn't know anybody in the area. Like she's a pregnant woman alone on the highway. And a man comes by 
asks if she needs some help and he says, oh, I'm a mechanic. I have a shop a few miles away. I can take you there if you want. And so she being like a trusting person just gets in the car with this guy. And so uh, as they're driving there, he's giving off really weird vibes and starts asking her like really strange questions like, oh, you know, what are you doing out here by yourself? Like you're traveling all alone. What's a woman traveling all alone by herself for? And she's just like, oh, visiting my family. And then he says something really weird about how she wasn't, how she was wearing a bra and how he said that he prefers it when women wear bras because it's modest. And so instantly that creeps her out and she's just like, okay, I'm going to stay silent for the rest of the car ride. And so they get to his shop and she calls her brother, tells him, hey, car broke down. This man picked me up, uh, just, you know, need some help. And she hands the phone to him because uh, her brother asked to speak to him. And her brother goes, hi, I'm her brother, letting you know we're about to get on the road right now. She's pregnant. So make sure that like she has food, water and like she's OK. And this man, as soon as uh, he hears that she's pregnant, he's just like, oh, like kind of shocked, like, oh, you're pregnant. Like, you don't look pregnant. I don't I don't understand what. And she's like, yeah, you know, just like going to visit my family. Not a big deal. But the entire time was just like giving off really strange energy, really strange vibes, very creepy. And her family eventually comes, picks her up and they get the whole car situation figured out. Fast forward years later, my mother sees on the news about this man who has been arrested for being the toy box killer. If anybody knows all the terrible things that he's done, uh, my mom finally saw the news report about it. And at the time I was about two years old. And so she's at home with all of her kids watching the news, sees this pop up, recognizes him instantly as the man that picked her up on the side of the road years later or years before. And now she's finally seeing his face pop up. And is completely shocked because of all the terrible things that he did. And she could have been his next victim if I personally believe if she wasn't pregnant and she didn't immediately call her family, then who knows what would happen. Fast forward to like 2022, she finally tells me this story. And there's actually a part two to this that um, it's not really like a part two, but just like a little side note. She met a personal trainer in uh, 2021, started working out with this woman. And eventually they become very, like, very close to the point that they're going out to lunch together, having dinners together. And her personal trainer was actually in prison previously and was in prison with the toy box killer's girlfriend. <laughs> so her, she starts telling my mom like, oh yeah, that woman crazy like here's all the things that she told me while we were in together and then my mom comes back and tells me this and i was just like that's small wild. world yeah <laughs> like, that's way wild. too small of a world it's crazy yeah i had to go back and look up after i saw that video that you posted and i didn't realize that they think that he may have murdered 60 people like that's insane yeah so many bodies were never found and um if you know new mexico it really is just like desert there's so much land that you could easily go out into the middle of and get lost so who knows where yeah. 
all of those people lost their lives and it's absolutely insane uh, well that's for the true crime junkies who listen to real haunting <laughs> so let's um jump into the ghost stories and thank you for sharing that so you grew up in a haunted home do you know why the home is haunted this goes back to the early 1900s um, at the time in New Mexico, um, it was all farmland. And so a lot of Mexican migrants came to work here for basically free because, you know, there were no rules or restrictions at the time. And so the land that uh, my family's house was built on was being farmed by migrants. And of course, it's a dangerous business. There are no regulations and a lot of people ended up dying on that land. And so the people who originally owned it took out a small plot to build this house for man and his wife and his kids. Um, all his kids grow up, they move on. Uh, and then the house is just, you know, left vacant for a few years until the 1980s when a family who was rumored to be Satan worshipers moved in. And I don't know 100% what they were doing, but the entire town was just like, oh, they're Satan worshipers. We we know it. We see it. There's something off about them. There's weird energy going on. Um, one of the rumors that was flying around is that they would always have like chickens and goats, but then slowly the chickens would disappear or the goats would disappear. And then who knows what happened to them? And so it was just like a budding rumor going around that the people living in this home were not good Christian people or whatever. And uh, eventually they ended up moving out, moving on. And my family moved in, in the mid nineties. So like 95, 96 about instantly. My mother has stories from when my older siblings were kids of just like weird stuff going on in the house, things getting moved. And at the time she was like, oh, you know, I have young kids, so maybe it's just them, but nope. <laughs> Over the years, we've just seen like strange things happening around the house. And I'm not entirely sure if it's because of the people who owned it or the land that it was built on. But just I think it's like a combination of everything uh, from the past that is just harvesting all this energy around it. And wasn't it rumored that they sacrificed a person in that home? Yeah, there's this crazy rumor um, <laughs> floating around town that the woman, uh, I don't know how, somehow got a baby apparently she was never pregnant but somehow they got a baby <laughs> and sacrificed the baby in the oh home and of course police come by they search the house they don't see anything there's no evidence that anything uh terrible was being done so it was just a rumor but it was enough for the entire town just like have eyes on them and i feel like that's part of the reason why they left is because they were like i can't stay here <laughs> and was that during the era of like the satanic panic yeah, yeah. So, of course, anybody who fit the description, fit the stereotype is going to be closely watched. It was the sure. 80s and there were so many news stories and articles coming out about cults and uh, Satan worship. And so it just had everybody on edge. And then yeah. you have a small town like Las Cruces, New Mexico, where everyone kind of knows everybody. But then you have these new people move in and they don't know you and you're kind of strange. So it was just kind of like they were an easy target. Sure. But at the same time, I do believe if they were practicing anything, they were probably very good at it. <laughs> and how long did the house stay vacant between them leaving and your family moving in? 
Uh, so about 10 years. Okay, that's a long time. Yeah, that could have, I hate to use the phrase, dug up a lot of energy, but I, I don't know if that's what comes to mind. So you guys move in, and then I believe I heard you say online that everything started to really kick up when you were around three. Is that correct? Yeah, so when I was about three years old, um, my mother's mother, my grandmother, was living with us at the time, and she passed away in the house. Mm -hmm. And my first experience happened about a week after she passed away. Um, and I remember it very vividly because uh, we were all just kind of like in shock, like in mourning. And uh, I'm a child. I go up to my bedroom and I see in the corner of the room. So I had like a bookcase and then I had my closet. So in that corner was just a tall black shadow standing in the corner. And it looks at me and then everything on my bookcase flies off and just hits the floor. And so I, of course, scream because <laughs> I'm terrified. My mom comes up and she sees everything just like on the floor. And uh, like she comforts me and tells me like everything's OK. But from then on, I was like, I can't sleep in here. <laughs> so like I refused to sleep in my room from ages like three to nine because I was like, there's something in here and I don't trust it. And I don't like it. And it just freaked me out. That was my first experience and everything after that just kind of like started growing and growing and all the way up until now i'll go back home and i'll still see things feel things hear things my siblings my mom will still tell me like oh there are ghosts in the house the ghost moved this the other day and <laughs> it's just kind of like something that everyone's living with and we got i guess we kind of think of it as normal but i definitely see how other people are like Mm, that's not that's not normal <laughs> yeah uh how often would you see that black entity in your bedroom it became a lot more regular once i hit 10 11 12 but for my youth because i was like very scared to go in there it was like very few like very off not often very so often um that i would go into my room and just like if i was in there for longer than five minutes then i would feel like oh there's something in the corner staring at me and I, I, I would turn around, there it is. And so I would run out. Mm. <laughs> when I hit 10, 11, 12, and I was actually like spending a lot more time in there, then it became more frequent. And did you have direct interactions with it? Like, did it get so commonplace that you just be like, hey, cut it out, like go away? Or was you just always, nope, out of here? That was one thing that my mom tried to teach us growing up was like, oh, if you see a ghost, just tell it to go away. And so whenever I was in there, I would just be like, hey, leave me alone. <laughs> and once I hit uh, my teenage years, I became a lot more direct about it because I, I feel like I had that like teenage girl spite energy. So I was just like, you got to go away. Like you got to leave me alone now. <laughs> and as that's happening to you, I know that you said your your family would also experience stuff, but would they experience that, ex that same exact entity or did they feel like, and did you feel like there were other entities in the home as well? we all kind of experienced the same ones. I like to say that like our house was just a giant portal. And so like, I feel like the entities that would come into my room would just like cross through my mirror and then walk into my brother's room or something like that. Like we all kind of saw the same things, sometimes at the exact same time, sometimes in separate instances. But yeah, that entity was uh, definitely seen by my siblings and my parents as well. And you talk about portals a lot, which is not something that I have heard people speak on exactly in the way that you do. Can you tell me about the belief of, of your grandmother's passing and how you think that may have opened a portal up in that home? I actually discovered this when I started my spiritual journey um, about 2020. 
I was back home for the first time in a long time and I was there for like months at a time. So I got to actually like talk to my mom about all of my spiritual interactions. And she tells me that after her mother had passed, she did what I believe a lot of people do. She stood in the room where her mother passed and like called out two spirits in that room, asking them to take her mother's spirit to a better place, a place where she can be happy, where she can be with her friends. And I think in doing that, that just opened a portal for something to come in. And whether it was the spirits that she was actually looking for to come and get her mother's spirit or not, I feel like it just opened a doorway um, because that next day, that next night, my mother randomly wakes up in the middle of the night and she sees the ghost of her mother sitting at the foot of her bed hmm. and they have a quick conversation, you know, say, I love you. And then she's gone. But since then, I feel like the fact that my mother spoke those words into the world and said, you know, I ask for spirits to come and get my mother's spirit and take her away. She never said, and then leave. Like She never like said, and then closed the door. She never closed the portal that I think she opened. And so I feel like that just kind of let all this energy into the house and open a doorway for all this energy to come in. And no one's ever closed it. No one's ever taken the time to like sit down and actually do a ritual, do a spell or anything, cleanse the house. And so I feel like it just kind of left things open and let things happen in the way that they did. Is that like kind of a similar belief in how people view the Ouija board? You need to close out when you're done trying to communicate with spirits? Yeah, that's the same way that I kind of think about portals. I personally believe that anything can be a portal, even like a door in your house can be a portal. You're walking into a different energy, a different frequency. And so um, when people say like, oh, you need to cleanse your home, I think what they're actually saying is, hey, if you have any open portals that are letting energy into your house, you need to take the time to do a cleansing and close them. Because like Ouija boards, if you just leave something open, then who knows what will walk in. And a lot of people are afraid that, you know, something terrible is going to walk in. But most of the time it is just spirits just crossing through. If you see an open door, you're just going to walk through it. Just like people do, there's not really much of a difference. But uh, if you are the type of person that wants to have clean energy floating around your house, then yeah, it is important to like take the time to close those doors. Well, that's a good segue. I, I was curious while you were in the home, if you ever experienced an energy or a spirit that you felt like was threatening. And I would also love to kind of hear your thought process on how we I say we as like kind of a collective of people who are interested in the supernatural may have a tendency to view this is a demon, this is an angel, a good, a bad. I've kind of heard you talk about how spirits are also a lot like people where they can kind of be in the gray. Dark energy can have good, light energy can have bad, that kind of thing. Could you kind of talk about those two things? So in my entire experience, entire time on this earth, I've only ever felt threatened by a spirit once. And it was that black figure that I used to see in my room all the time. I went back home during 2020 and I was just hanging out in my room, drawing on my iPad and my cat actually looks up and looks behind me. And I was like, strange, what are you looking at? But like, as soon as I turned, I could see exactly what he was seeing. And it was just this black shadow standing in the corner. And so I turn around, I'm like, hey, go away. Like I usually would. 
it sounds so silly, but it literally felt like something just like reached forward and grabbed me by the neck and like pulled me around. Mm. And I was like, I literally stood up and I was like, I'm going to make myself as big as possible. Like, like you're fighting off a bear or something, just like make yourself big and stand strong. And I was just like, okay, you need to leave. You can't be here. I don't know what that was, but we're not playing games today. And I just told the spirit to like leave as sternly as I could. But that was the only time I've ever felt threatened by anything. Most of the time, whenever I have interactions with ghosts, spirits, entities, it's usually very calm. Sometimes it can uh, lean into more um, malevolent essence, but it's kind of in the same way that I deal with people. Like sometimes you'll meet people out in the open. And you're like, oh yeah, this is a really great person. I really like talking with them. We vibe. And then sometimes you'll meet people that are like, oh no, I don't, I don't even know you, but I have a bad feeling about yeah. you. So I kind of view it as the same way because at the end of the day, I don't believe in the idea of like demons and angels. I might use those words uh, just because it makes things easier for people to understand. It's kind of hard to determine like, oh, who is good, who is bad. And especially because throughout all of history, we have so much evidence that what we think we know isn't what we actually know. And so it's better to just take the time to investigate. And if a spirit walks into your room, you you know, you don't have to necessarily kick it out right away. You can take the time to figure out like, oh, who are you? What are you doing here? What is your purpose in coming here? Do you have any intentions of any sort or not? Most of the time, I feel like spirits don't have any intention whenever they come visit. They're just coming by and they don't necessarily realize that they're being a bother to us. But I feel like a lot of people might not take the time to realize that they're just instantly like, oh, that's a demon. Oh, something flew off my shelf. That's instantly a demon. When it's like, oh no, like it might just be a spirit who just like knocked something over by accident. Yeah. It's the same way that you might have to deal with people. This episode of the Real Hauntings Real Ghost Stories podcast is brought to you by Wild Grain. Hey everyone, it's Noah Daniels and I'm here to talk to you again about Wild Grain. Our last shipment of Wild Grain was so good that my four-year-old cannot stop asking for more of that awesome bread with dinner. And I'm not going to lie, I'm right there with him. And honestly, there's nothing quite like the smell of fresh bread baked coming from the oven. What if I told you that you too could get that delicious experience of homemade bread with none of the time and work involved? Well, you can by ordering from Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. And you can now fully customize your wild grain box, so you can choose any combination of breads, pastas, and pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box. When you go to wildgrain.com hauntings to start your subscription. You heard me. Free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com hauntings. That's wildgrain.com hauntings, or you can use promo code hauntings at checkout. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving god, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.
Do you ever have these spirits try to audibly communicate with you? Or is it more of just seeing them, you know, an apparition or seeing some kind of poltergeist activity and trying to read the energy from them? It's a little bit of both. Most of the time it is audible. And it's very strange because it's usually like they are trying to just deliver a message. And sometimes I can't like relay that message to whoever they want. Um, for example, a few weeks ago, I had a spirit come into my bathroom, actually, and was just standing behind me. And I could hear it whispering, oh, I need you to tell, I can't remember the woman's name. I wrote it down. Uh, they were just like, oh, I need you to tell Megan, I'm sorry. Something like that. And I was like, who's Megan? <laughs> I can't tell Megan that you're sorry, but hey, Megan, they're sorry. <laughs> so yeah, sometimes it is audible. And um Whenever it is, it's just them trying to like relay a message to me to get out there. Other times it is just visual. And when that happens, it's almost uh, static. And so whenever I see figures, it's always just like the same kind of like TV static that you would mm. get. And it's just like the shape of a person like standing in the corner or standing in a doorway. And then like in a blink of an eye, they're just gone. And or sometimes they'll like run past and then they're gone. And so. It just it just depends on like what what they're here for, what they're trying to do. I feel like whenever a entity is actually trying to like do something with intention, then I'll get more clear messages from them. Then I'll actually see them a bit more clearly. But whenever there's just ghosts walking by, it's not really too much of anything. I feel like somebody named Megan just heard that on the podcast and they're like, me? They're sorry? <laughs> yeah, uh, they're sorry, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your spiritual awakening. You said that took back took place in, in 2020. Because I'm curious, obviously, you'll take us through that. But do you feel like you're a medium? Feel like you cross into kind of a medium role with what's been happening to you? Yeah, I feel like it's something I've tried to ignore for a very long time. Uh, because, you know, when you're younger and you talk about it, people are just like, oh, you're weird. Yeah. And so I grew up always thinking like, oh, this is just weird. Like, don't look into it. Um, but then once I actually did, I was like, OK, yeah, I think this is something that I kind of cross into and something that I'm trying to work on a lot more because um, it, it does take up a lot of time, a lot of energy. And it's not always the funnest thing in the world, having to just get messages all the time. But it's something that I am trying to work on and like decipher more. I kind of picture it like somebody sitting on the beach and like messages in the bottle just keep getting thrown at them. And they're just like, God damn it, enough. <laughs> like quit throwing yep. <laughs> messages in the ocean. Like, let me just enjoy my day. But yeah, so tell us about your spiritual awakening. How did that all take place? So I guess it kind of started uh, at the end of 2019. I haven't talked about this, actually. I was... Oh, well, if it's as long as you're comfortable, <laughs> sorry. No, I... yeah, no, we're okay. going to dive into it. At the end of 2019, I was going through a really hard time, uh, just like going through a breakup and losing a bunch of friends and like diving into really bad habits. And so I remember I was standing on the balcony um, at my apartment and it was like at golden hour, the sun was setting and I was just talking to the sun. <laughs> Um, and I was just like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel like everything's falling apart and I feel like I'm going down a really bad spiral. And as soon as I had that thought, a beam of light <laughs> just like came through the trees and just like hit me straight in my chest. And I just got this overwhelming feeling. And I heard a voice in my head say, don't worry, it's about to get so much better. 
And so I just like stood there and it was just like taking all this in. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, I don't know what that means, but all right. And I held on to that, but I was also kind of like, let's throw it in the back of my mind and just like keep doing what I'm doing. And so mid 2020, um, I was planning on moving to California with a friend from high school. And so it started bringing up all of these like feelings of change and um, going through this entirely new adventure because I had never lived outside of New Mexico before. And so it brought me back to that moment of like standing on the balcony and thinking to myself, like, what does this message mean of like, it's going to get better? Like, maybe this is it. Maybe this is the getting better. And when I finally accepted that message, as I was moving out of the state, all of these like strange occurrences just started happening all at once. And it was kind of like everything started falling into place. And I started looking into spirituality more. I started looking into witchcraft more. I was, uh, my friend was also a witch. And so we were sharing our experiences with each other and just talking about the supernatural and investigating everything that we possibly could. And so during uh, our time living together, it was just kind of like this embracing of self and unlearning and learning new things. And that kind of just like shoved me onto what I personally believe was the correct path because I feel like if I didn't open myself up to all the new opportunities that I was going to be taking in, it would have never worked out. <laughs> I don't think I would be here right now. It would have been in a completely different opposite direction. So yeah. it was a really strange experience to kind of like accept finally, uh, because my spirituality was something that I always ignored. It was always something that was kind of just like on the back burner. So to finally put it at the forefront of my brain really changed everything and opened myself up to a whole new, whole new world, honestly. So were you guys a coven of two? Like, how does that work? <laughs> I guess you could kind of say that. We didn't ever call ourselves a coven, but we did like practice together. We did share things with each other. Uh, not everything, because I do think that some things should be private. But basically, yeah, it was just two witches living in an apartment together <laughs> just like sharing our experiences and we like saw the, things the new like, sitcom you know like LA, yeah. like two witches living together yeah. <laughs> no yeah like that was the vibe and it was it was very strange she was already seen things on her own had her own experiences and so then for me to come and like share my life with her it was like we got to share these things together and so the first time in a very very long time I had experiences with people outside of my family mm -hmm. and so that kind of like solidified things for me like that's part of the reason why I'm like yes ghosts are real because how can I see the same thing as this person who I'm not related to and like we ha we're only been living together for a few months and these things just happen out of nowhere no it's not a coincidence I truly feel like it really did just set everything in stone what do you think are one of the most common misconceptions about people who practice witchcraft? And I guess also like as a follow-up, what does practicing witchcraft mean to you if if like a lay person is asking you that? I think one of the most common misconceptions is the belief that witches like to harm things. Maybe this is outdated, but I, I'll still get people thinking it sometimes that, oh, to be a witch, you have to be prepared to sacrifice a goat or something like that. And that's not the case at all. Like, First of all, no one wants to hurt an animal. <laughs> I personally think that if you are a practicing witch, then you realize that life is 
all around us and we need to do the best that we can to take care of it. So no, witches don't harm people, animals for any sort of practice or intention. Like that's, that's too much. Um, but I also feel like when I, when I say practicing witchcraft, I feel like people think, oh, you sit in a circle with candles around you and like you have an ancient book of text or something. But it can be as simple as like taking a shower, taking a shower with a certain intention to go and do something. Like I feel like that is self is witchcraft. And there's a lot of little things that people just naturally do that I consider to be rituals. And in a way, everybody practices witchcraft. There are some people who are just more intentional with their practice, but we all do it. If you have any kind of routine, if you have any kind of daily schedule that you follow, that, in my opinion, counts as a ritual. You're doing things to create a certain intention over and over and over until you reach that goal. That's practicing witchcraft to me. So I feel like everyone everyone does it in their own way. For people who identify as witches, we just have a more structured form of doing things. You openly talk about this stuff, obviously, and, and um, you have a presence in the online community of people who are into supernatural and learning about witch talk and that kind of thing. Have you met people that fall into more of what you might call the stereotyped belief in witches who, not that they're out there doing harm, but they're into more of the dark arts or whatever. You, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking about Harry Potter, but like, you, you know what I mean? I have in like two certain instances, I've met people who do fall into that category because they intentionally place themselves there. And then I've met the opposite where they just kind of like wound up there without even realizing it. And I feel like the people who put themselves there intentionally because that's what they vibe towards are doing it authentically, genuinely, uh, compared to the opposite, where it's just kind of like, it's chaos magic. Mm. They are just throwing things out into the universe without any care in the world and just hoping that something works. And in some cases, sure, it does. But in other cases, it's really like, you're taking a risk. <laughs> you're just taking a risk, throwing things out there and hoping for the best. Yeah. So it just, it just depends. Um, I've met both. I've had good and bad um, interactions with both. So it depends on the person. I personally like people who have a bit more structure to themselves because <laughs> I, I I have tried chaos magic in the past. It's a lot, um, especially if you have no idea what you're doing. It can be very harmful to you and you might get some things coming to you that you weren't asking for. So are you still in L.A.? California? Uh, no, I, I moved back to New Mexico. So okay. I'm back in the desert. Yeah. Well, while you were in LA, were there, was there any paranormal activity that kind of followed you while you were there? Oof. <laughs> Loaded <Yes>. question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was something that my roommate and I kind of believed just because it was very strange. And maybe this wasn't the case, but maybe it was. Um, I personally think that our apartment complex was a portal to wherever the Fae may live because there was just like very strange energy surrounding it. We always saw weird things like there were always stray animals just like coming in and out. And hmm. the people there had um, very, I don't want to say weird vibes because it wasn't bad vibes. It was just like, there's something off. There's something different. Like, you know, sometimes you'll meet your neighbors and you're just like, oh, yeah, like, that's a good guy. But like, we met our neighbors. And we were just like, 
are they witches? <laughs> like that was the first question. It was like, are these people witches? And do they know something? Because it was the way that they always looked at us whenever we were like walking to our car, taking out the trash that we just were like, Hmm. Like you'd be on the elevator and you're just like, witch. And they're like, what? Nothing, nothing. Yeah, (laughs) that was kind of the vibe. It was just like, it felt like they knew something that we didn't know. And they, Mm. and or like we knew something that they didn't know. We were just always watching each other, but it was still very nice and calm. It was, it was cool. We liked it. And did you ever have any experiences directly with your roommate where y'all saw an entity together? The first time it happened, we went to this, it wasn't like a national park. It was kind of, we called it the back bay. It was like a nature reserve and we went to like the back part of it. And so there was like a little hiking trail that like people would go to, but we would always like sneak off the hiking trail and just like sit in the trees and the bushes and um, sit at like the edge of the lake. And so the first time we went out there, we were out there for like two, three hours, just hanging out, talking, drawing, taking pictures and the sun started to set. So we were like, okay, like it's time to go. And as we were leaving, I see a man with, it was like the head of a wolf standing off in the distance, off in the bushes. And I was just like, that can't be, that can't be real. (laughs) Um, And then like, I turned back to my roommate and she doesn't see it at the time. So I was like, okay. I think, you know, maybe, maybe it's just light playing tricks on me. We keep walking and it follows me. Its eyes start following me. And I was like, okay, that's definitely real. Maybe it's just a person in a costume. And I look also at scary. it. Yeah. Also still scary. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm staring at it. And as we're walking away, I start thinking, I'm not here to hurt you. Like, just like thinking in my head, trying to communicate telepathically. <laughs> Um, But I was saying, like, I'm not here to hurt you. Like, we're just, you know, heading out. I'm sure this is probably your land. So we're going to go anyway. And this creature was staring directly at me as I was having this thought. And it just nodded at me as we were walking away. And I was like, Mm. okay, so I guess we're good. (laughs) And so then we get back to the car. And I'm telling my roommate about this. I was like, hey, I didn't want to freak you out at the time because it was getting dark and like, I understand. Um, And so I tell her like, hey, I just saw something. And she goes, oh yeah, every time I've come here, like I've seen things, like even as we were heading out, like I had like a weird vibe that something was behind us, but I didn't want to like turn back because I didn't want to like freak you out. And I was like, okay, so (laughs) you knowingly took me to a place (laughs) where you knew the spirits were. All right. That's, I mean, it's fine. As witches um, do. You know, what are as you As witches do? do. And then uh, at our apartment, there was a, a, the ghost of an orange cat that was mm. just like following us. And so um, we call it like our third cat. We had my cat, her cat, and then just, just like this random orange ghost cat that was just like hanging around. And so we would always see it just like dart past and like run by our rooms and things. Like it looked like a full cat? It, it... Yeah. No, yeah. It was just like wow. a, a full like orange cat and um at the time when we first saw it we thought it was her cat because uh, her cat was a calico so it was Mm -hmm. orange and white and black um but then we would like we would see her cat in another location from where we just saw this oh my god and so we were like oh (laughs) never mind it's it's (sighs) the ghost cat Gosh, um, well, you, you've really experienced a lot. Before we completely wrap up, I'd also like to talk about like you have an extremely unique style and presence in the way you present yourself online. And I imagine how you present yourself in the real life. Where does that come from? How did you kind of find that part of yourself? 
Oh, gosh. Um, trial and error, honestly. <laughs> I have gone through like every kind of style in the book, and I've eventually like reached this place where I'm just like, I think my style is like cartoon character. That's what I've been saying recently is like, oh, yeah, I just like I just want to be like a little cartoon character. I like the idea of always matching, always having a certain aesthetic but also just kind of like being weird and wacky. Like whenever you watch a cartoon and there's some character wearing an, a crazy outfit or crazy hairstyle, I'm always just like, yeah, I like that. I like the idea of just standing out and just doing something that nobody else is doing and put my own flair on it so that it's me. It's something that I can connect with, something that is authentic, something that is genuine, something that I'm not seeing a lot of other people doing. I'm I'm not the type of person to just put on jeans and a t-shirt. <laughs> like, I really want to make sure that it's known, like, oh no, I'm weird and the things that I've gone through are weird. So I need you to like visually see that it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> no second guessing. So your username on TikTok, oh, it's a lamp. Where does that come from? Uh, so lamp is actually my initials. Um, my first name is Liz. My last name is Pritchard. My middle initials are AM. So okay. I was always like, oh, lamp, like that's really cute. And then when I got into college and started writing and started getting into content creation a little bit more seriously, I was like, oh, I need something that's going to stick, something that I feel has like a certain style around it. And I was like, I want lamp to be a part of it because I feel like lamp is me, but I need it to just be something cutesy and fun. And I was like, oh, it's a lamp. <laughs> so I when people that. see my yeah. content, they're just like, oh, it's a lamp. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's so great. Yeah, your your content is is really fun. I really encourage our audience to check it out if you enjoy the supernatural, true crime, if you want to hear about aliens, you want to hear her talk more about portals, or you just want to check out her interesting fashion and kind of worldview on things. And Liz, where can they check out all your awesome content? Yeah, so uh, obviously on TikTok at Oh, It's a Lamp. Uh, I have an Instagram account. It's uh, Light from a Lamp. And then I also have a blog, lightfromalamp.com. And then if you honestly, if you go to the TikTok, you're going to find everything you need in the link in the bio and you can just click through there. But yeah, TikTok is my main thing. So I encourage people to go check that out first. Awesome. Well, thank you for giving us some time tonight. We really appreciate that and kind of walking us through your journey with the supernatural. I feel like we were really just scratching the surface there, but it's fascinating to get to talk to people that have experienced the supernatural in the way you have. We have a way that we like to wrap up these episodes. It's extremely dorky, but hopefully uh, you'll be up for it. So basically I'll say my name, you say your name, and then we go, woo! Like, I love that. <laughs> with that, I'm Noah Daniels. I'm Liz. Woo! Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. 
Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.